Let's pray. Our Lord, as we come to you this morning, we thank you, as we have just sung, that you are our foundation, that you have given us your word to reveal yourself to us and the hope that we have through Jesus Christ. Oh God, I pray that that we would take these things to heart that you have given to us. Lord, I pray that you would give us hope as we rest in your promises to know that you are true. And I particularly pray, Lord, that if there be any here today who do not know you, that they would give their lives to you. Lord, that they would rest in you who are the only one that is a true foundation. We thank you, God, and pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, the Christian faith or Christianity um, can be described this way, as one person put it. They said it is a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. Now think about that just for a moment. That's quite a phrase, is it not? But as you think about your walk with the Lord, it may not feel like that long obedience in the same direction. You might feel more like a yo-yo that's sort of up and down and up and down and up and down. And you feel like you're walking with the Lord and enjoying His fellowship and then you find yourself sort of rebelling against Him. And so that's why I like the illustration that someone I heard once said that really the Christian life is like a a man with a yo-yo that's going up and down, but he's walking up a a flight of stairs. You know, it it is sort of that, that sense in which we do have, yes, these ups and downs, but God is causing us to become like Him. He is progressing us upwards to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. So, in many ways, the Christian life is a long obedience in the same direction. It is following Jesus step by step, day by day, week after week, obeying Him year after year, which stretches into decades after decades. And that's what our text is about this morning, uh, being faithful in the midst of the darkness, in the face of the uncertainties of life. And I I would say probably all of us, to some degree, are facing some sense of uncertainty in our lives today. It may be a health issue. It may be a relationship. Maybe a job. It might be finances that you're wrestling with or any number of other things. It may be that uh, when you don't see fruit in your ministry that you're doing. That may be ministry in the church, but it also may be ministry in your home. It may be something that you're doing at work. Or it may be a struggle that you're having where you don't know where the circumstances of your life are taking you or what the end will be. Or maybe you're looking at the signs of the times in which we live And everything seems to be going against what God has called you to do. And in those times, it's easy to become very discouraged and maybe even disheartened. And if nothing else, maybe we become very weary in our walk with the Lord. Sometimes even questioning our faith, maybe sometimes even wrestling with God as some of the saints in the past have done. 
But at a minimum, we might be tempted to wonder whether anything that we do for God really matters. I don't know if you've ever been there. Where maybe you've prayed for a friend, and but do you really get an answer? Or, or you give money to help somebody who's in need, and but you look at that and you think, but does this really change their life? Does this really help them? Or maybe you shared the gospel with people, but you think, Lord, is anybody ever going to get saved? And, and you never know. At least that's sometimes a way how you feel. And God calls us this morning, in one sense, to ignore those things. Don't, don't set your eyes on those things as the barometer to judge how things are going in your life. He wants us to look ahead. He wants us to get up in the morning. He wants us to sow your seed, as he says, Solomon says. Cast your bread upon the waters, and you will find it after many days. And so Sol- Solomon wants us to see, first of all, this morning, that life is a faith venture. It is a faith venture. It's, a, it's an investment. It's an undertaking of faith, if you would. And, and you notice in verse 1 that he gives us a promise here. But he also gives us a command in that promise. And that's not unlike God to do that. Not every promise does he give, does he give a command, but oftentimes he does. I mean, think about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and what? He will direct your paths. So you, you see that command that he gives us in that, but in that he gives us his promise. And that's what we see here this morning in verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Now, like so many things that, that Solomon says in this wonderful book, it's, it's sort of difficult to know exactly what it is that he's alluding to. And I know a lot of the older commentators sort of look at this in light of like the Nile River. And if you know much about the Nile River, it's not only the Nile River that's important to the economy of the Egyptians, but it's also the, the Nile River regions because the river sort of overflows itself and has like this, this, this silt that it sort of deposits in the soil and it makes the soil very rich around the river. And there, are, some of the older commentators take this as what he's commanding people to do is to take bread, to take the seeds of bread and to plant it in that soil, in that fertile, rich soil. And then as the Nile overflows again, that it waters that. And then it says that you will find it after many days. It's talking about a harvest of grain, a harvest of grain that will allow them to make bread. More modern day translators, though, and I think probably more appropriately so, interpret this more as something of where kings would send out ships. Uh, because it says here that you are to cast your bread upon the water and, and it will come back to you, it will find you. Well, we all know that if you stood on the edge of a, a river and you cast your bread, either the fish would come eat it or it would sink or, you know, so it wouldn't necessarily come back to you. So this idea of casting that it's talking about literally means to send out. And kings in olden days would send out bread and other produce on ships to foreign lands where they would trade it for more exotic things. If, if you look at 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 22, you don't have to turn there right now, but 1 Kings 10, 22 talks about this idea of sending out ships and trading for gold, trading for, for apes, trading for peacocks. That would come back. And so the preacher here is, is really talking about a scenario where you take risk and you put you cast your bread on these ships and they sail out. And then 
you know, there's a risk that they may return, they may not. But there's also a sense in which there's a waiting that happens as well. And the preacher is really challenging us in terms of our spiritual lives to handle them the same way. That, uh, that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. And that the spiritual fruit of our lives may take a long time in coming. And so the, the Christian life is a, a faith venture. It is uh, God who gives to those who exercise their faith. So we must take life as from the hand of God and to enjoy it despite the delays and the uncertainties that comes our way. But such a life requires a, a very much a sense of trust, a sense of adventure, and it demands a wholehearted commitment to trust in God. Look at verse 2 where he says, Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. You know, Solomon is saying that as you cast your bread upon the water, give seven portions. With seven, I'm not into numerology and stuff like that in the Bible, but the Bible does talk about seven being the number of perfection or completion. But he's saying you could give seven or really even get eight eight portions. It's It would be maybe like us saying, you know, don't just give 100%. Give 110% or 125%. Give a little bit more. And the preacher wants us to understand that, you know, as we have those opportunities to walk by faith, that we do so wholeheartedly, that we do so uh, completely. And uh, so as we are in those times in our lives where there is risk, and that seems to always be the case whenever there's faith, right? There's always the possibility, as God calls us to walk by faith, that we could fail, right? And things look scary sometimes in the future as he calls us to walk by faith. But he's saying, in those times, don't be stingy, don't hold back, don't be uh, paralyzed by the risk, but rather it's meant for us to be generous. It is for us to be generous in our faith. And so we are to be bold in our faith in the midst of the uncertainties that we face in life. And, and so he gives us this promise and he said, it will return back to you. But oftentimes, as God uh, comes to us, he oftentimes challenges us uh, to walk by faith. Sometimes we are paralyzed by certain things. And that's what Solomon sort of talks about in verses 3 through 4. It are those things that we have a tendency to be paralyzed by as we are challenged to walk by faith in our lives and the faiths of uncertainties. And the first thing we see in verse 3 is oftentimes our inability. We realize that we are people who are not in control. He says, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. You see, he, he has this picture of a farmer who's standing out in his field and the clouds are are heavy with rain, and it's just part of the cycle of life. And he says also, then, um, I don't know, maybe because of a storm, a tree falls, and, and uh, wherever it falls, that's where it's land. And there's nothing that the farmer can do. All these events, whether it's the, rain, the clouds giving the rain, or whether it's a tree that falls in the field or the forest or wherever, there's nothing that that farmer can do to control it. And as we walk by faith, most of us encounter those things that are beyond our control, which can talk, tempt us to worry or to be fretful or to be even fearful. And so, therefore, we might be timid in our walk 
with the Lord. We might draw back rather than boldly standing on God's promises. And I think this is true not only for individual Christians, but this could be true for churches as well. There was a preacher one time that, that preached in a congregation that I was in, and he asked the question. He says, what have you done as a church in the last year that you could not have done just as easily without the Holy Spirit? You see, the point that he was seeking to make was, is that in many churches we plan and we strategize and we raise funds and we do all these things and we put together all these ministries but typically they are just the summation of the total of our efforts rather than the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and I think that that's what Solomon is challenging us to do. You know, how are we responding in those times where we feel out of control? You know, is there a sense of holy boldness that we are going to move forward based on the promises of God for the work of his kingdom to see him be glorified and exalted? Or are we going to just, you know, do those things that make us feel comfortable? You know, we need to understand that, that we are never going to gain control in the uncertainties of life. And that the way that we get comfort is not by gaining control. Let me say that again. We don't gain comfort by gaining control. And yet, how often do we, even as Christians, as we're wrestling with the Lord and as we're wrestling with the issues of our lives, that we just don't understand the outcome of those things. We're wrestling with God, seeking to try to somehow bring about some sense of control in our lives that we can feel like we're not totally out of control. But that's not where comfort comes. Comfort comes in realizing that God is in control. And so it's like letting go. It is understanding that we are under his overarching providence. And it is in that that we can rest. And so we must resign ourselves to trust in God's providence and even to take joy in that, brothers and sisters. Do you, do you hear what he's saying? It's not just a sense of just trying to get by, just trying to hold out. But it is a sense in which as we let go of these things and we trust the Lord, we can rejoice to know that whatever it is that he is going to bring our way, that it will be good. Now, this may take time. And especially as circumstances are very difficult and very hard, you know, we might find that it would be hard to, to rejoice in the circumstances at hand. But we can do so as we really understand the greatness of our God. But also we see in verse 4 that uh, sometimes we are paralyzed by the what-ifs of life. Are you ever felt, have you ever felt that where you just sort of feel overwhelmed by uh, the uncertainty of life? Uh, the one thing that the farmer seems to be able to control in, in this passage is when he can plant his seed or when he can harvest his crops. But if you look at verse 4, uh, it seems like the farmer is just sort of standing there. It says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. You know, it seems to be that he's talking about a farmer who's standing there in his field and he wants to plant the, the seed, but the wind is really strong. Maybe like a Kansas wind. I don't know. And it's really strong. And he's just thinking, if I plant it right now, it may scatter my seed everywhere. I may have a terrible crop. So I ought not to do that. Or maybe 
the clouds are such that it, it, it may not rain and, and I need rain for the seed. And so you look at the circumstances and you see that they're just not right. And so this farmer is just really paralyzed by the what ifs and, and just waiting for just the right circumstances. How often are we like that farmer as we face our uncertainties of life? We're always trying to sort of second guess God. Well, what, 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 what if this? What if this happens? Or, or what if that happens? And this, this, it, it may not work out. And so we're we're waiting for just the right moment when we get paralyzed by fear and the unknown. And so oftentimes, even you see Christians who will procrastinate when God has called them uh, to. Uh, Rest in his promise instead of doing what we know we ought to be doing. We oftentimes keep putting things out. Well, how, how do you respond when things seem to be out of control in your life? Or, or when you have reason to fear that something bad might be happening as you step out in faith? Brothers and sisters, Solomon reminds us not to hold back because of fear, but to step out in faith. Whatever you do, do not use the uncertain difficulties of life as an excuse for not doing anything at all. We must do what we can with whatever God has given to us. Now, I hope you understand as I'm talking about these things, I'm not talking about just fulfilling your own dreams and doing the things you want to do. But these are the things that that God has called us to do. And there may be things that God is calling you to do, maybe getting involved in a ministry in the church, Maybe it is to to reach out to someone who's in need, who has a mercy need. Maybe it is starting a friendship with a neighbor. And maybe it's a very difficult neighbor. And the Lord has been sort of the Holy Spirit's been challenging you. Reach out to that person. Invite them over for dinner. Get into their life. And you've been resisting that because you're like, Lord, but what if? Or Lord, what if this happens? And God is saying, don't be paralyzed by the what ifs of life. You know, Jesus tells a parable about uh, uh, the ten talents. And remember, there were three people that were given money. And there was the man with the ten talents, the one with the five, and the one with the one. Of course, the, the guy that had the one talent, what did he do? He buried that talent because he was afraid. Afraid that his investment would go bad and he would get in trouble by his master. But when the master comes back, he's angry. And he said, you could at least put it in the bank and earn interest. But he did that because he did not boldly trust in his master. And, and for us, is there times when we do not boldly trust in the providence of God. And so we become paralyzed by the what ifs of that. But sometimes also we are paralyzed by the will of God, which may sound sort of strange. Because you think God has given us his word, he has revealed to us What we need to know, everything we need to know for life and godliness, he has given to us in his word. But look at verse 5. It says, As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In other words, as you look at, you know, uh, like Elizabeth, who's expecting in our congregation, right? And we don't understand how that baby got there and how those bones form and how that happens. It's a miraculous mystery how God forms a child in the womb of a woman. Uh, So many things that happen in our lives are, are mysteries. We don't always understand God's will. 
But sometimes for some people this causes them to be paralyzed. You know, we, we look at this and we sometimes in our prayers we're sort of timid because we have someone in our congregation who is sick or not feeling well. And we're like, OK, Lord, I want to pray. I want to pray for their healing. But Lord, maybe it's not, especially as Reformed Calvinists, we go, Lord, but I don't know if it's your will that they be healed. And so then we sort of almost talk ourselves out of being <coughs> bold to pray and to lift up the heart's desires that we have and praying those things according to God's will. But just because we don't know all of God's will doesn't mean that we don't know God's will to the point that it's sufficient for us to be able to obey him and to delight in him, right? And that doesn't mean that we are ignorant of the desires of God. I, I love the way the Shorter Catechism talks. It says, what do the scriptures principally teach? The scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires a man. God tells us everything we need to know. We don't need to know everything. I mean, in Deuteronomy 29, 29, we read that the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed, that is here in his word, belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. But oftentimes we get caught up in wanting to know those things that God never intended for us to know. And other times, like I said, we, we maybe have a genuine desire to uh, know God's will uh, because we don't want to dishonor him. But I would suggest to you that we need to be bold and follow the Lord. It's not that we get or dis give disregard to the word, but if it's not revealed here, we can come to the Lord and we can ask boldly. I think of a, a father with his, his son who's maybe three years old and his son comes and asks him something that's just ridiculous. And maybe even something that the father has to say no to. But if the father says no to that son, he doesn't say, how dare you ask me that thing? He says no to his son because he knows it would not be good for his son. But he loves him. He delights in his son. And he says no for the good of his son. And so God is the same way with us. If we step over the bounds and we ask something that is contrary to his will, God is not there to crush us. He might challenge us or rebuke us or allow us to get to know him through the answers that, that he gives to us. But, but, he is, but he is a loving heavenly father. And so as, as we come... Uh, we not, need to understand that, that even these great mysteries that we have regarding to God, that they are a call to us to humility, to remind us that, that we are not God. Every time we encounter something that only God knows, we are reminded that he is God and that we are not. But then also these mysteries are a call to us to act in faith. When we don't know what God is doing, we may still trust that he does and he knows what uh, needs to be done. And so the preacher uses these mysteries of God as a call to faithful obedience. That's what he says in verse 6. In the morning, sow your seed. And in the evening, withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that. Whether both alike will be good. And so while we don't know these things, we can have a boldness on God. And so Ecclesiastes teaches us. That life is a venture of faith in which we are to be bold. That we are to, to work 
hard and, and, and boldly for the kingdom of God. And we are to be confident, not because life is certain and not because we can be assured of a good short-term outcome, but because of the certainty of God and the certainty of his promise and the certainty of his final victory. You see, our boldness and the life of faith is not motivated um, by the things that we see, but it's by who we know, and that is the Lord our God. And so as we come this morning, and as you think about the uncertainties of your life, whatever they may be, I just want to remind you that God is the one that gives us this promise, that Christ is the one who gives us this promise. And this is exactly how Christ lived his life. If you read the Gospels, you see that there was a sense of, of purpose and a sense of determination, a sense of holy boldness that Jesus Christ had to fulfill the call that God the Father had given to him. And, but you also see, as you read the Gospels, how much people, how much religious leaders, how much even Satan and the demons were seeking to constantly pull Jesus Christ off his mission to distract him, trying to redirect him, seeking to undermine him. But we read that for the joy of it, he endured the cross, despising the shame. So there was sort of this heavenly mindedness that governs everything in Christ's life and his obedience. So in one sense, Christ is our example, but he's more than just our example. He is also our strength and focus as he dwells in us so that we might be like him in his obedience. It's in that that we find rest, brothers and sisters. And so I want to say this morning to the parent who is wrestling with the toddler or the teenager or some kids in between that, and maybe you've been wrestling for them with, for the 10,000th time and you don't see any fruit in their lives, that Christ is calling you to faithful obedience in light of eternity. Even though you don't have, the, have light right now around you at the moment to see what God is doing in your life and things seem rather dark and uncertain and you're tired and you're weary, that Christ is not only calling you to do that and to obey Him, but He also has given you this promise and his Holy Spirit to carry life in obedience even when you don't see the reality of that promise this morning. Or maybe you're here today and you're single person and you've been walking faithfully with the Lord and you've been looking for a marriage partner and yet God has not provided that person yet. Do not be discouraged. Do not be weary, but trust in the Lord. It's a long obedience in the same direction and God is walking with us. He is leading us. Or maybe you're a widow or a widower and you're here today and you feel very vulnerable and you feel very lonely and you, you miss your spouse and you're just saying, Lord God, what are you doing? I'm struggling. I'm wrestling. Know that you can trust him. You may feel like you're going through um, maybe the motions and and maybe you feel like you're, you're not going anywhere in your life as you reach these uncertainties. But know that God is with you, that he calls you to boldly step out in faith and to follow him, and he will take care of you. You may be asking, is God really going to bless me? To that, Solomon says, cast your bread upon the waters, 
for you will find it after many days. Please bow your heads with me if you would this morning. Let's meditate upon God's word as we've heard it preached today. Lord, we thank you for your word that you have given to us today. We do pray, Lord, for those that are are here today who are wrestling with difficulty and and uncertainty, those kind of circumstances, Lord, where we don't know if our whole world will come crashing in or not. And it's very easy to be fearful. But Lord, I pray that you would make yourself known to your people through your word and your promises to know that that they can trust you. God, that they can continue on the path, maybe for those that are weary. Lord, we also um, pray for those that are here today, maybe that have been less than um, zealous for your work. Maybe, God, our lives have been too consumed with the things that we have wanted to do rather than the things that you've called us to do. And I pray, Lord, for such people that you would cause them to step out in faith, even in a small way, Lord, maybe just to begin to be involved in ministry or to reach out to others or to to love those that are, are difficult, maybe at work or wherever it might be. Lord, give them a holy boldness and zeal uh, to do that which would honor and glorify you. And Lord, I, I, I pray that you would cause us to stand firm in the times as we wait for you to bring the fulfillment of your promise that you will bring those things that you said that the bread would find us. And we pray that we would trust you in that time. And we would ask God that you would bring about that fruit. But Lord, not just to meet our needs, but to bring glory and honor and praise to your name. It is in Christ's name that we pray these things. Amen.